so here's the deal, right? Each each night, uh, each night before bed, we, uh, Krista and I usually uh, are reading at least Zeke and Simon uh, stories uh, before they go to bed. And um, sometimes uh, they, they hand me a real clinker. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever opened up a book, like a kid's book, and you're like, this is really not a very good book? Anybody ever done that? Right? Uh, sometimes you uh, get adult books, right? And they're like, this is a real clinker. I can't do it. And so on this particular night, uh, it, uh, I think it was Simon handed me a real clinker. And I was going to put up, you know, pictures, and, but I felt like that was maybe too derogatory. So I'm just going just gonna to tell you about it, right? He hands me this story, plops it in my lap, right? Because we always let them pick out the stories. Um, uh, Simon picked out the story and he plops it in my lap and I picked it up and I started to read. I figured, well, whatever he handed me is probably fine because, you know, I can kind of mindlessly engage even a bad story. Like, it's fine. I can mindlessly read it and they'll probably still enjoy it, right? It'll probably still be fine. And so here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this book and I'm telling you, this one was more than a clinker. <laughs> this one was terrible, right? This was, I mean, it, it like, it put me in a world that I knew nothing about. I think they knew about it, but it was like this like kind of, you know, created world and I had no idea what was happening in this uh, world that they uh, apparently knew stuff about. It had like zero plot line. I mean like zero plot line. Uh, I'm telling you, this was like written like, uh, you know, comic uh, strip style, comic book style. And, uh, and it was all sound effects. There was no dialogue. So I'm sitting there for 15 pages going, kashink, clunk, crash, right? Just that's all the book was. I was like, this is terrible. I'm in a world that I don't understand. I, uh, I'm, I, all I'm doing is making sound effects. There's no dialogue. I have no idea what's going on. I got to page 15. I'm like, I can't do it. Can you please pick out a different story? I, most of the time, I'm willing to just power through. Uh, maybe I was particularly cranky that day. Maybe uh, something, I don't know. But uh, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I'm like, can you please pick out a different story? And in their uh, love and in their grace, they said, okay, fine. So they, you know, we closed that one up and we moved it aside and, uh, and they went and they picked out a, a different story. Um, uh, Genesis uh, chapter one and two is a really good story to be reading. It kind of stirs something in us, right? As you read Genesis one and two, that's a story that you want to be part of. Uh, just remember those kind of four things, those four expectations that get formed for us um, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? You can expect God to confront chaos. Uh, that alone is good enough for me. I'm like, yeah, let me be in that story. Um, and then you add on the other three, right? You can expect goodness to happen. Expect good things, the best things, perfect things to happen. Um, a third thing, right? You are a masterpiece. We saw that in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, you, you are created with intentionality and with purpose. Now, you are special and unique to God, right? You're a masterpiece. Um, and, and the fourth thing, right, relationships matter. Uh, they matter to God and they matter to us. Um, that's a story that we long to be part of. <laughs> that's a story that we long to be in. Uh, that's a story that stirs our hearts. Um, the problem is that um, uh, that story doesn't last very long. Uh, because what happens is in Genesis chapter 3, uh, a serpent comes in and plops a different story in the lap of Adam and Eve. 
Um, a, a serpent, a snake, Satan, comes along and he presents a different story for Adam and Eve to start reading and to start living in. But let me give you just a, a couple of brief examples of, of how uh, Satan presents a different story to Adam and Eve. Um, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, God's word is, is just see this, it is unquestioned and it is irresistible. We didn't really talk about this last week. We mentioned it just ever so briefly in Bible class. Um, there, there's a key phrase that gets repeated over and over again. Um, I think it's like five or six times in Genesis chapter 1 alone. Um, it, the key phrase is this, and it was so. Can you just say that? And it was so. Excellent. Um, uh, so just, just follow the sequence, right? Let there be light, and it was so. Let the water gather and dry ground appear, and it was so. Let the earth sprout and grow, and it was so. Let the earth bring forth living creatures, and it was so. Right? This is the story that God wrote in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, his word was unquestioned, and his word was irresistible. Satan comes along in Genesis chapter 3, and he presents a different story for Adam and Eve to read. Um, he presents a story where God's word is questioned, where God's word is twisted, if you choose to twist it. Um, the snake brings God's word into question. Did you catch that? Um, uh, uh, the snake says, hey, did God really say it's the first words out of his mouth. It's like Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, or something like that, right? The first words out of the serpent's mouth. Did God really say? See, all of a sudden, uh, a different story is being presented to Adam and Eve. Uh, a different story uh, where, where God's word is questionable, and it's resistible if you desire. And, and then uh, Satan goes even a step further, and he says God's word is not true, Right, so um, uh, Eve correctly uh, corrected the snake and said, oh, no, no, um, God didn't say we couldn't eat any tree from any uh, fruit in the garden. That would be silly. What he said was, don't eat from that one tree in the middle of the garden. And, and he said that if we eat from that tree or we even touch it, then we would die. So Eve is uh, correcting the snake, correcting the serpent. Uh, things are actually pretty good up until that moment. And then uh, Satan just kind of slaps that truth right in the face. And he says, no, 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 God did not say you will not surely die, right? He says you will not surely die. He just uh, is calling God's word a flat-out false. He's calling it a lie. He's saying that it is not true. So all of a sudden, uh, the, sa the, the snake, right, Satan, is presenting um, some kind of different truth, dif a different story, to Adam and Eve than what they were experiencing in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, we would also say that Satan is attacking the character of God. He's attacking the character of God. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, um, uh, the, the story that we see of God, right, is, is that God is, 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 is a masterful artist. Um, he is thoughtful and kind as he pauses to create mankind, right? We kind of drew that out last week, how, how God pauses before he creates mankind, and he says, let us make man in his own image. Um, um, uh, God is generous, right? He's willing to, uh, to, to share everything. He doesn't keep things for himself. He's willing to share everything. He shares his responsibility. Um, he shares uh, even his image with mankind as he creates them, right? That's the, the story that God is writing in Genesis 1 and 2. Satan comes along, and he presents kind of this different image of God. 
this different picture of God. He's, he's plopping this different story down in their lap for them to read. Satan comes along and, uh, and he's trying to paint God as uh, uh, some kind of uh, mean taskmaster who's holding out on Adam and Eve. And, and essentially what he's saying is, hey, you don't have to take that. You don't have to live in his story. You don't have to live in the story that he's writing. You can write your own story. You can enjoy your own story your own way. So um, as we're looking at Genesis 3, 1 to 5, right, what we're seeing is that Satan comes along and he, and he is presenting a different story to Adam and Eve. He's plopping a different story down in their lap. Just like Simon kind of in a nonchalant way came and plopped this really horrible story down in my lap. Now, just see this, right? The second part of the story is, is, uh, is in verse 6. And I don't want to gloss over it too quickly, but I also don't want to sit on it for too long. What we have to see is that when Simon plopped that story down in my lap, um, what did I do? I picked it up, right? And I started to read it. I didn't have to do that. I could have inspected it a little bit more. Um, I could have said, no, I really want to read this story instead. But I didn't. I just picked it up and mindlessly started reading it. And... Adam and Eve do the same thing. Chapter 3, verse 6, um, Eve doesn't know that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. That uh, hasn't been heard yet. She hasn't experienced that yet. And so she, uh, she, she, she sees the story that, uh, that, that the serpent, that the snake is presenting, and she says, okay. And she just picks it up and she starts to read that story. She takes the fruit that she's not supposed to take and she eats it. And all of a sudden, Adam and Eve find themselves in a story that they really don't want to be in. Uh, just like I'm trying to slog through the sound effects of this comic book story, they find themselves suddenly in a story that they don't want to be in. Adam and Eve chose a very disappointing story. And we can kind of summarize it probably with just a couple of words. One word would be separation. I just see this, right? In the story that God planned, there was no shame between people. Um, there was no worry about pleasing other people. Can you imagine that? No worry about, oh man, I really want to want to help you to, uh, to 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 like me, right? No no worry about pleasing other people. No concern about offending other people. Um, there was no worry about protecting yourself. There was no need to protect yourself. There was no boundaries, no borders. It was just complete exposure, and, and, and it was very good, right? Remember at the end of Genesis 1, God looked at everything he had created and how everything was working, and he pronounced it very good, pleasant, agreeable. That's the story that God wrote, Genesis 1 and 2. And now all of a sudden, Satan has presented a different story for them, and they've picked up that story, and they've begun to read it, and all of a sudden there is, what? Separation. Now, the story that Adam and Eve grabbed and started to read is full of anxiety and worry. Uh, there are suddenly boundaries between people. There's all of a sudden concern about offending others. There's a need to protect yourself. Uh, there's a desire to please other people. Um, the, the separation is, is physically seen in the clothes that they make. Right? They're no longer naked and exposed and totally fine. Now they're wearing clothes, and they've, they've clothed themselves. But that separation is also probably mental separation, and it's emotional separation. Um, the, the togetherness that they experienced and, the, and that God desired for them in their story, Genesis 1 and 2, that is gone. 
Uh, but of course, it's not just separation between people. It's also separation between people and God. Um, I think it's chapter 3, verse 8, right? God shows up in the garden, and what do they do? Hi, God, look at my mess. <laughs> no, of course not. They hide. Um, the story that God wrote had us in perfect union with him, perfect togetherness. Um, there was no reason to hide. There was no need to hide. Uh, there was no sense that he is almighty and completely holy and good, and, and so we don't deserve to be in his presence. There was no sense of that. But all of a sudden, they start to read this other story that gets presented to them, and, and now there's a clear sense that God is holy and that we are not. There's a clear sense that uh, God is almighty and he has expectations and rules and we don't measure up to those expectations and rules. There's a clear understanding that, um, that, that we have rejected the story of God and therefore rejected God. And, and, and knowing that uh, he's not going to be pleased with that, we, we begin to run away from God. We begin to hide so that his terrible wrath doesn't, doesn't consume us. So um, uh, Satan presents this different story to Adam and Eve, and uh, they pick it up and they start to read it, and uh, it's a story they really don't want to be in. The first of all, there's separation, and the second thing is there's what? Blame. <laughs> um, in my house, uh, when I enter in the living room and there's a mess, and I say, who made this mess? I rarely hear, it was me, Dad. <laughs> in fact, I don't think I've, I've probably heard it sometime or another, but I don't hear it very often. Most of the time I hear, not me, nope, not me, nope, not me. And then I look at Spear and I say, Spear, right? Spear's the dog, <laughs> right? Uh, somebody had to make the mess, but usually nobody uh, really owns up to it. Um, in this particular story, and often in our stories, there's blame, uh, just see how different that is, right? Genesis 1 and 2, the story that God was writing, we're in perfect partnership with each other. We're in per perfect partnership with creation. <laughs> we're in perfect partnership with God. Um, everything is going just as it's supposed to. It's a perfect, harmonious relationship. And then Genesis 3, a different story gets presented to Adam and Eve. They pick up that different story, and all of a sudden, that perfect, harmonious relationship is broken. God comes and he asks questions, and their response to the question is, she did it, he did it, not my fault. And all of a sudden there's judgment, and there's blaming, and there's enemies, and there's sides, and there's hiding. So we've just got to see this, right? Adam and Eve chose a very different story in Genesis chapter 3. Um, but I don't think that we can just leave it and say, oh, you know, Adam and Eve chose a different story. Because I think if we're honest, we often also choose a different story than what God is writing. Um, we often try to write our own story. Uh, we often choose our own story rather than saying, hey, God, what's the story that you're trying to write for me? Uh, we often question God's word or we just don't pay attention to it. Um, we forget or ignore or don't lean on the true character of God. Uh, we, we put up walls of separation between us and other people. We blame and we point fingers. 
See, it's not just a story that Adam and Eve picked up. It's a story that we pick up every single day. And, um, and, and we kind of find ourselves in the same shoes that I was in that night when Simon plopped this book in my lap. And we say, I don't want to be in this story anymore. Can you please pick a different story for me? Anybody else? See, when we have strife in our relationships, um, when things don't go right, uh, when people die, all of a sudden we say, I want to be in a different story. I chose the wrong story. I'm tired of being in this story. God, can you give me a different story? And so what God does in uh, chapter 3, verse 9, or even chapter 3, verse 8, is immensely powerful. We've just got to see that um, that the story doesn't end in chapter 3, verse 7. That's that's super beautiful in and of itself. (laughs) That that, that God actually enters the mess. Uh, Can you imagine, right? Uh, Adam and Eve eat the fruit in uh, chapter 3, verse 6, and that's the end of God's story. It might still be the biggest story because it's the story of God, but it's the shortest story and it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. And it leaves us stuck in a story that we really don't desire. But instead what happens is God shows up in chapter, I think it's chapter 3, verse 7, and he asks a question. And then he begins to speak to Adam and Eve. And he speaks to the serpent. And what he says and what he does changes everything for the rest of history. And so it's, it's just massively important to see that, that God doesn't leave us in that story of brokenness and hurt. He doesn't leave us in this story that we don't want to be in. He actually enters into the story. He, he comes in and, and he starts to do stuff. Um, the, the first thing he does, right, is, uh, it, it, well, we have to see that, that there are consequences, uh, we, I think it's just important to kind of point that out and put that on the table. It's not like he just glosses over it and says, hey, you chose a bad story. It's all good. Don't worry about it. No, there are consequences, right? There are negative consequences. There is punishment for, the, for Adam and Eve choosing their own story, for, for them believing a different story, for them picking up a different story than the story that God is writing. And if we just kind of summarize it, what we would basically say is, is that their primary purpose was going to be more difficult. <laughs> right? They were created to take care of the land, and they were created to reproduce. And just see that, right? God is cursing both of those things. He's saying, hey, you're still going to be about those things. I still want you to be working at those things, but it's going to be a lot more difficult than it was originally supposed to be. It's going to be a lot more difficult than I intended it to be, than the story that I originally wrote for you. And so there are consequences and there are uh, punishment, but, but when God enters the story, it's not just, hey, clean up this mess right now. It's not just, hey, I'm really mad at you. No, he also shows an immense amount of grace and mercy, kindness. And, and, and for me, at least, I see that in, in, in a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, he, he shows grace by, by the first words out of his mouth. And did you see the first words out of his mouth? Um, The first thing he says when he shows up in the garden, Adam and Eve are hiding, and he says, where are you? 
Now, just hit a T on the story, right? Do you think he really doesn't know where they are? Uh, I've talked about this before, and maybe you remember, and I don't want to just beat the same drum over and over again, but but just see this, right? This is God. This is God Almighty. This is the creator of all things. He, part of his character, part of his core is that he knows all things. So he's not asking the question because, like, he's playing hide-and-seek with them. <laughs> he's not asking the question because he really doesn't know the answer. He's asking the question because he doesn't want them to stay in that story. He's asking the question because he doesn't want them to hide. It's not how he created them to be. He didn't create them for separation from him. So he doesn't leave them lost in that story that they picked up and they really don't want to be part of. Instead, what he does is he begins to write a new story. And he says, where are you? Stop hiding. It's not how I made you to be. Yeah, I know. I know. I was watching. I saw it. Where are you? Stop hiding. Come and be with me. That's how I created us. Um, he enters into the story, and the first words out of his mouth are words of grace, words of drawing them back in to relationship with him. Uh, words that say, and that story is not the final story. I'm going to write a new story. Uh, the other really significant thing that he does is he makes promises, which I, I'm just trying to reflect as a parent here, right? When I walk into a room and there's a big mess and I ask who did it and nobody's owning up, <laughs> um, I, I'm not really ready to make promises to my boys about a better future for them. I'm not really ready to make promises about how, um, you know, we're going to go get ice cream later. After I clean up this mess, we're going to go get ice cream. <laughs> uh, I'm not, as a parent, prepared to do that most of the time. Um, but, but what God does here is he enters into the picture and he, and, he, uh, and he speaks words of grace. And, uh, and then he makes these incredible promises to them. Uh, the, the, the first promise that he makes is really that he's going to end, um, that he's going he's to put separation, uh, hostility, between Satan and humanity. Right, that word enmity, I don't think anybody really, does anybody use that word anymore today? No, the word means uh, hostility, right? It means separation. So, um, uh, so, so, so now God is promising separation, but it's a kind of separation that's in our favor and just see, like, uh, God doesn't just say, okay, fine, you want to read the story that Satan has is, is given to you? You, you want to just be part of his story? You want to try to write your own story? Fine, forget you. No, he doesn't do that. He says, look, I'm not just going to turn you over to Satan and the story that he's trying to feed you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put separation between Satan and humanity. I'm going to put hostility between the two of you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put you in separate corners. <laughs> I'm going to make you, uh, put you both in timeout, so to speak. Uh, the second thing that he does is he promises a fighter that will defeat Satan once and for all. Uh, the kids' book, uh, part of the reason that, uh, that I chose it, uh, it, I should have brought it, but uh, the subtitle is something like, um, 
the snake crusher. It's something about the snake crusher, and it's and it's obviously trying to capitalize on this moment, right, where 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 uh, God is promising that that some descendant from Eve, some offspring, some part of humanity will come and and, and will defeat Satan once and for all. And yes, that descendant will be struck, and it will be painful, but that descendant will win. When you crush the head of something, it dies. And so you and I know that God is promising to enter the story in a whole different way, in a way that we can't even comprehend. He promises to enter the story himself, to become humanity, to be that offspring that takes on Satan once and for all and wins the victory and shares it with you. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we're, uh, <laughs> uh, we're sorry for the mess. Um, it's it's easy for us to stand at a distance and point fingers at Adam and Eve and uh, say, how could they make such a mess? Uh, it's another thing for us to kind of examine our own lives and be thinking about how we so often pick up a different story than the one you're writing, how we so often try to make ourselves the center of the story, um, how we try to write our own stories. And so we're sorry that so often we pick up uh, the wrong story. Uh, so sorry that we uh, make a mess of things. And we just ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your grace. Uh, we ask that you would uh, continue um, <laughs> to grant that forgiveness anew uh, every single day of our lives. Jesus, we thank you for entering the story in a way that, man, is just so unbelievable. And that you would become a child, um, that you would live to grow and, and be a man that, uh, that takes on our greatest enemy, and that you would choose to be that offspring, that child of Eve that uh, would be bruised, uh, would be hurt, would be wounded for our sakes, uh, that you would choose the path of the cross, uh, and the path of an empty tomb so that you can win the victory and share that victory with us so that you can clean up the mess. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. Amen.